When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is May 9th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And on this episode, Connor Ryan and I get into an early look at the offseason. I know it's May 9th. We're talking offseason. It still blows my mind, but we must talk the offseason. So Connor and I get into uh, ways the Bruins can free up cap space. Uh, we get into trade pieces on the roster, big and small. We get into deep conversations about uh, guys that maybe you didn't think they would trade, that maybe they end up having to look at trading. Uh, we get into the chances they bring back Tyler Bertuzzi and Dmitry Orloff, and we also get into uh, what the bottom six might look like next year. Again, this is an early look. Things are subject to change as news uh, comes out as the offseason goes along, but uh, going to be a big offseason. Really big offseason. Again, hinges on the decisions of Bergeron and Krejci, but there's a lot here. There's a lot here, so Connor and I did our best to get into it and talk about it uh, and all those things that you know and love. Uh, but without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I think uh, people are still obviously shaken by the Bruins' first-round loss. But I must admit, people must feel kind of good seeing that the Panthers are up on the Maple Leafs 3-0. I think that that has to help, right? I mean, that's that's got to be – I mean, it doesn't fix it. It doesn't come close to filling the gap, obviously. But there's got to be some something there that makes it a teeny tiny bit better seeing that happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one a testament to, I think, if Bruins fans are expecting this team to take a step back, which they will. I don't think they're going to win 65 games. That being said, I think we're both in agreement. This team is still probably going to get 95 to 105, 110 points. If all goes well, they're still going to be a very competitive team. And hell, maybe you just get in the playoffs and see kind of where the dice roll in your favor, right? So, again, good on the, the Panthers for really – uh getting on a roll here, playing really, really good hockey. So a testament to them. You can also push back by being like, yes, maybe the Panthers were better than uh, we all expected. Bruins still had them on the ropes for three games and refused oh, to yeah. deliver that right hook. So, again, if anything, if you want to be a glass, you know, half full, half empty, you could say, yeah, Panthers are doing well. But, hell, if this is the fight that the Maple Leafs are giving them and you brought the Panthers to seven games – that what I was that was what I was about to say is that the other side of this coin is the Maple Leafs look horrendous. Horrendous. Yeah, and you four. knew you knew this or not new, but you had an idea this was coming when they're passing around 
Bud Lights and celebrating uh, after um, they won that series against the Lightning and they celebrated like they won the cup. Um, you got the vibe then. You don't see teams celebrating first round wins. They did. And now they're down 3-0. And who knows? Who knows what happens? I'm done with projecting series. So who knows? Uh, but this Panthers team looks legit. Looks legit. Looks like a legit playoff team. You certainly weren't. Talking about the Bruins. They were not. Uh, but the, the Panthers certainly certainly are bringing it. And Bobrovsky's playing well. And um, man, that Bennett line. And just the... They, yeah, that, ben, that, Bennett's been money. A wrecking a player ball. like that. Yeah. A wrecking ball. And, and Kachuk... And we can get it, you know, I know people have kind of debated between Kachuk and Pasternak and such, but man, Kachuk looks like a playoff player, doesn't he? Uh, again, I'm not comparing them, but I'm just saying Kachuk has been an outstanding player in these playoffs so far. Um, and then also, before we get into today's show, draft lotteries tonight. This doesn't affect the Bruins really at all, uh, but the draft lottery, or tonight, by it happened Monday. We're recording this on Monday. Um, do you have any preference where Bedard goes? Uh <sighs> Not Arizona. It's the only place I don't want to go. A, a place that is literally the the Cetriels of the NHL. It's a place where you dump your contracts and hide the books. Uh, and I call a drink. No, that team should not get any uh, benefit of the doubt in terms of just the way. It's they bad run enough things. they got so Logan Cooley last year. You know, yeah, it's bad enough for, for how him. much for how much of a clown car operation that thing is. That team does not get it. Um, Team that I think would, you know, Columbus seems like they'd be very excited, even though it's not really a big draw. If you ask me which team I think would be great to grab a player like that, give me Philly. We need the Flyers. I was to just thinking again. that. We need yeah. we need the Flyers to be. It's like when the Rangers were, had a bit of their rebuild. They were pretty quiet for a few years. It just doesn't feel right. We need Philly. Uh, we need the Flyers to be back in it. We need Gritty to have something to cheer about, right? Like, we, we need that back in the NHL. So, it's like how in the NBA the Knicks are now good. It's much better when they're a better team. As funny as it is to dunk on Knicks fans, having like an ener- energized MSG is a lot better than uh, what it used to be. So I'm all in for uh, Bedard going to to Philly. I am in complete agreement with you on this. Uh, the only other thing is if you went to Columbus, I think Columbus would have a chance to actually be kind of good next year. Yeah. Um, just because you, you have the pieces there. They were very, uh, they were injured this year. You have Goudreau who has a year under his belt. Um, that seems like a fit where if he went there, they would be pretty good immediately. Um, I agree with you though. You need him. I I don't, you know, look, um, I grew up with cousins in Anaheim. Uh, I was, uh, uh, the Ducks were like my second team growing up. I think the Ducks are cool. They're a fun team. No, no. You want him in an Eastern market. That's pretty prominent. And that's Philly. I'm in total agreement with you on this. Um, Again, it's it's like when the Rangers were, as you said, as the Rangers were bad and they were in it for Lafreniere. Um, I would love to see Bedard in, in Philly uh, for for every reason possible. Um, Montreal would be tough. Montreal might be tough in the division with the Bruins, but uh, Philly would be the interesting one. But we'll see. I mean, it obviously already happened. We you know we don't know about it, but when people listen to this, it'll have already happened. Um, so we want to do kind of an off season preview in the show. This is an early look at the off season again. The wheels are still starting to turn. The Bruins are out in England uh, with the Spurs, um, the soccer team Spurs, not the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I don't know. I don't know European soccer that well. I saw some of the comments saying that like the Spurs also choke a lot. I, I don't know this to be true or not. I, I don't know if you do, um, but I just thought that was also kind of funny. If that if that is true, I'm sorry to any Spurs. I, be- I believe that is the narrative. Uh, yeah, I'm not an expert, but I do believe they've had a... a- 
couple of unfortunate uh, postseason runs as well. So yeah, they, they bonded over it. Maybe they just they 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 canceled it out. You know, no more no more bad postseason runs. They just you know they put it to rest. Um, but an early look at the off season because when you look ahead to next season, Connor, the cap space, not a lot there, not much at all, and. Sweeney's going to have to do some cap gymnastics. He's going to have to clear some space. And there have been some names that have been thrown around and not reported, obviously, but just kind of like, oh, if you traded this guy, you'd clear some space here. So I want to go through some of them. Um, Because, again, the luxuries you had this year are not going to be there next year. You're not going to have Jeremy Swayman making entry-level money. You're not going to be having Taylor Hall on the third line making $6 million. It's just not going to happen. Um. So one name that's been tossed around a lot is Matt Grizzlick on D. Um, 3.687 million he's due next year against the cap. Um, How would you feel about that if they were to deal him? Because again, feels like he works in this system, but he's underutilized a bit. So it's a, you know, can you you have a guy making that money that's underutilized? Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue is you look at the way the Bruins used him, especially in the playoffs. I mean, we saw how you know positive the returns are when he's with Charlie McAvoy. I think that's evident. But we didn't look in the playoffs. Even in games where he played, he was only averaging like 13, 14 minutes a night. Like, I don't know if he's just fallen out of favor with how Montgomery utilizes him. But he's a guy that also you look at how he fits into the system, as you said. And if we were like going through, I'm probably getting ahead of you know the guys you're going through. But if you look at like ways to free up cap, whether it's buying out Mike Riley or trading forward or something else like that. Like Grizzly, yes, he's making 3.6 and he's a pending uh, free agent at the end of next year. But I think if you're finding guys that can still best fit in the system and gets that lineup to fall into place, I think Grizzly still has value for this current team, right? In, in terms of one, you know what he's going to do with Charlie McAvoy. And yes, maybe you have to staple those two guys together, but we know what the results are if you put them together. And if you trade Grizzly for just cap relief or what have you, Again, Charlie McAvoy is a very, very, very good defenseman. You can put a lot of guys with him, but I think you saw, you know, in the playoffs how much having a bit of consistency in terms of those those pairings can help out. Like, if you go into next year and you move some cap around, but your top four is still Gerzlik McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, you're doing pretty good. Like, again, you, you might have to uproot that whole third deep pairing and switch some stuff around, but there's worse uh, situations. Now, if... Grizzly is what's holding back from getting Orlov. Maybe that's when the Bruins have to view, you know, how much you'd rather have that. That being said, I still don't really like Orlov and McAvoy together as a pairing. So it's a bit of a tough call in terms of, you know, moving up a cap and what the the risk and reward is. Like, if you're looking for just regular season play, I think having Mac, uh, Grizzly back there helps you out a, a great deal in terms of not only just his play and what he does well, but making the rest of that decor fall into place. But you look at how he was using the playoffs, even though, like, I'm not going to really put him, uh, you know, as being responsible for, like, that game five turnover. I know people weren't happy with uh, where he was on that OT goal in game seven, but I, I'm not putting, like, a lot of the blame on Grizzly for the fallings of the failings of this series opposed to maybe previous ones. People had a gripe with him in the playoffs, but you look at how the Bruins used him. It's like, do they view him as being part of the equation when, I don't know, you look at all the alt, you know, the alternate players they swapped in for Grzlik, didn't really like what I saw. So it's a tough call. Like, if you ask me, I would find other avenues to free up cap on the decor before moving Grzlik, but that's also just me. Maybe I'm just a BU honk, Evan. Maybe you're a BU honk, but also, like, they probably win game six if Grzlik's in for Clifton. 
right? Like Clifton directly led to, I think, two or three goals. Like just take one of those off the board and you win the game. Um, so again, I mean, you know, you, you were talking a little bit about there with Forbert and it feels like Forbert and Grizzlick are kind of the two that people are up in the air about that are coming back, um, you know, in terms of their money. And, yeah. you know, I think a big reason why Grizzlick didn't get that showing that, you know, he maybe should have gotten in the playoffs was Orloff was there and Orloff may not be back next year. Probably won't be. Um, Again, I see a guy, a t- guy like Orloff making around six, 6.25 from yeah, a team that's so. going to rely on him to be a top pairing defenseman. I mean, like he put, he still put up eight points in the playoffs. Like y- there's production there. Now I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about this. You know, if you, and again, this is, I, I, this probably wouldn't happen. Um, but just on paper, would you take Grizzlick and Forbert over Orloff? If that's what it took, if, if to t- bring back Orloff, you had to trade away Grizzlick and Forbert. I know this is big. And again, it's an early look. Our opinions might change throughout the, uh, throughout the off yeah. season, but like, would you do that? Cause I like Orloff, but I also like the way Grizzlick can transition. And I don't know if you want to deal away both that hurts your depth. It, I think it also depends. I mean, like you can make the argument that like having a guy like Lori in the system, and I don't think he's going to be ready this year, or at least to the start of this year. Maybe he, he comes up later on. Um, you have that, that luxury of having more guys in place, but I like Orlov. I don't like giving him six years. I would agree. Uh, with you. And, you know, that, I think that's it. I think you bring him back for another year or two. You're going to be very, you know, he's still going to be very good. I don't, wasn't, uh, you know, swept away by how well he played in the playoffs. I mean, he was offensively great, but a lot of risk reward and not enough physicality for a, a guy that I think we all expected was going to blow up some guys. Um, yeah. Defensively now, wasn't really terrific. Yeah. Uh, still like a very good player. It's just giving him six years, 36 million. And again, it all goes into just what you're looking to get out of this team in, in the coming years, right? I think we're all in agreement, or at least you and I are, that the team's still going to be competitive, but I think you look at how I imagined on Sweeney the Bruins are viewing uh, this core. You have a good foundation in place beyond the uncertainty of Bergeron and Krejci, but I still think you'd like to have some flexibility in terms of not having albatross. Like the Bruins don't really have albatross contracts in terms of guys they want to uh, move or, or what have you. So if you're the team like the Bruins who are trying to just get past this upcoming year in terms of this cap crunch, and then if the cap jumps up, you have a little more leeway to uh, move guys around. I could see them being hesitant to be the team that hands order of that, you know, six years, 36 million, because you want to have that freedom to retool on the fly when let's say Bergeron comes back, but then retires next year and you have a lot of cap space and you have room to really kind of tweak how you, you know, assemble your forward core, what have you signing all to that much money. Kind of risky, right? Whereas I think if, let's say, you move forward, you buy out Riley, you keep Grizzlick, and you have him in the the top pair, you know what you're getting out of him in the regular season, and you roll with it then. Hell, if Lori hits the ground running and Providence gets a call up late and fits him to a roll, maybe you move Grizzlick at the deadline, right? I think you just have more flexibility, maybe, if you opt for it that way. But uh, that's not to discount, I think, what Orla brings, especially in the short term. It's just long-term having your options open, that's where I think it can be kind of risky about handing a guy like Orlov that much money. I mean, he's 31. Like, doesn't that feel yeah. like a little bit of a Tory Krug contract? Like, go get the bag, but don't be the team to to hand it out to him. Like, I, I like 
that to me feels a little like that. And that's where I think that the Orl, I, I agree with you. The Grizzlick rolling into next season with Grizzlick McAvoy, Lindholm Carlo, and then playing out the season, figure, you know, you'll figure out your third pair. You've got guys in the system uh, who can step in there. Or maybe you go out and sign someone for very little money. Um, you know, and then if if you really need another defenseman at the deadline, you can go get one. But I just go back to like there are teams out there that I think will fully pay a guy like Orloff. Just like I feel there are teams out there that are going to give Connor Clifton three or four million a year. Right. It feels like um, to be a potential top four defenseman. Um, and again, I think it's a good problem to have for the Bruins that you have these, but it also isn't because those are big decisions to make. Those are really big decisions to make. Um, another guy that. Uh, is thrown around a bit has been thrown around as Taylor Hall up front. And it's not that he didn't live up to the 6 million. It's that having a $6 million left wing on the third line is a luxury that you will not have this, uh, up this upcoming year. Um, and a lot, I mean, obviously I think that, I think, you know, Bertuzzi's younger probably fits you a little bit better. Um, the return was there. Ironically enough, those two were the top two scores in the, in the first round for the Bruins. So there's that. Um, but, someone's going to pay Bertuzzi like to, to, yeah. to keep Bertuzzi. You're going to have to sell him on pizza in the North end and hoping that he wants to take a hometown discount, which why would he want to? He's been no. here for a few months and he wants his payday. He's in, he should get his payday. Um, would you trade hall? If it, I mean, I guess if it meant keeping Bertuzzi, but I, I like, I don't even know if that's going to do it to keep Bertuzzi. Yeah, he probably have to free up more money, I'd imagine. But yeah, I think it all depends on just how the Bruins view their options going forward, right? In terms of uh, if Bertuzzi is the right fit. Because again, Taylor Hall, I think should get some credit for one. I think he brought it for most of the playoffs. He kind of quieted down a little bit later on in the series, but also his minutes got cut pretty significantly. Cut, in game like it's almost like cut a, a ton. But I think when you look at how you have to get past some certain rounds of playoffs, you need a lot of guys to elevate their games. And I thought Hall did that uh, in that round one. So uh, for a guy like him, who is a former heart winner, who's not that far removed from it, still a high-end player to accept a role on the third line, play defensively. I mean, he's a guy that's bought into the system here. Um, it just, I think, depends on just where you view this core going forward and how you can build for the future of not just this upcoming year, but um, the years ahead in terms of, having a better guy in place for, you know, the, the long term. So if it's a guy like Bertuzzi, right? Like, I think we've talked about it. Even if Krejci retires, which I think we probably both have a feeling that he's going to, like, I don't think we expect David Krejci to be back. If you tell me that Bergeron comes back on the cheap and you, you roll Marchand Bergeron to Brusque and your second line next year is Bertuzzi, Zaka, Pasternak, still going to do a lot of damage, right? I think – the, the one thing is Bertuzzi needs to shore up his defensive game, which maybe you give him a full year in the Bruins zone system, and he's a little bit more careful with the puck because he did have quite a few costly turnovers and careless play with the puck. But offensively, you know what you're getting from. Uh, you know, in the playoffs, he was at the net front doing a lot of uh, stuff that needs to be done there. Um, full season with him at the net front on the power play could open up a lot more uh, possibilities with how good he is passing down there. So, it, it, if you move Hall and it leads to signing a guy like uh, uh, Bertuzzi, then it's probably worth it in, in terms of making the most of this core moving forward. Like Hall at his age is still a very, very good player, but would you rather have Bertuzzi in that spot in the top six or Hall 
in the middle six still contributing, but not having maybe a set role next to a guy like Coyle, right? So again, it, it's tough when you map out these scenarios in the offseason because there's so much that's still, you know, yet to be determined. Um, as you said, I'm sure we'll probably have uh, a podcast later on in July and August where we probably have changed our opinions on things, right, in terms of how oh, things map out. I think but, it could happen to us in a month. <laughs> yeah, exactly, in a few weeks. So, but yeah, I think it just depends on what the next move is, right, for if moving Hall just to free up cap space and giving you flexibility, but you don't use it in the right way or it's for another third-line guy. I don't know about that. But if it leads to a guy like Bertuzzi and it, he fits into what you're looking for in that second line um, next to Zaka and Pasternak, then I can see it. But it's still a tough call. It's not, I think, an indictment on Hall and his capabilities and what he brought to this team last year. It's just the nature of the business. And you got to make some tough choices, especially with this team and the cap crunch they're facing. I'd also be curious to see a full season of Hall, Zaka, Pasternak and what that could potentially do yeah. um, on that on that second line, borderline uh, first line. Uh, the other thing, by the way, is if they dealt Hall and lost Bertuzzi, like, what are you doing? Like, unless it was for something else, you wanted to go yes. out and sign like a, a if Bergeron left and you wanted to you know go out and get a real first line center or something like that, then I, I, I guess I would understand that. But if that if you just did that and then really didn't do a lot. That's not a good move. So moving right along with our conversation, right back into things. Uh, one guy that's, I think we're going to see his name pop up a little this off season or a lot is Linus Olmark. Uh, again, making 5 million has a 15 team, no trade list. Um, obviously probably will win the Vesna coming off an incredibly great season for him. Um, but it's also one of those luxuries where, can you have Olmark making five and Swayman making, you know, four, four and a half um, when you're a cap crunch team? I don't know if you can do that. Um, and again, I think Olmark is at his peak in terms of value. And if you did want to get something for him, um, now might be the time to do it. What do you think about that? I feel like yeah, that won't it's... happen. I feel, I feel like it's it's a great, it sounds great, but I don't I don't know if I see them really making a hockey trade like this, you know? Yeah, like if you're looking at a hockey trade, I think you're looking at like players, Grizzlick, uh, Hall, DeBrusque, maybe, you know, like stuff like that. I, I feel like, and but again, as you said, moving Olmark, if you're looking to free up cap space from an area of strength, I guess, right? If you're looking at Jeremy Swamin and, and Brandon Bussey and what they can bring. I could see it, right? Because you're looking, Swayman is due a higher contract, uh, a, a bigger payday. So and it's not like Swayman was, you know, uh, a, a weak link at all in terms of what he provided, especially in the second half of last year. Um, so you, you look at moving Olmark, he's free up cap space, probably get a pretty nice return. Like you're looking at probably a first, probably a useful maybe building block, uh, a young player that can bolster your, your prospect pipeline. Like, it makes sense in terms of what the Bruins could be using in terms of accelerating this retool. There's a lot of risk involved, right? Like, and again, it's a, a position with a lot of variance. So you could say that Olmark will never be as good as he was this upcoming, this past season. But you look at what was kind of the bedrock of this team's success was both Olmark and Stroman playing at a high level. And hell, like Stroman could be uh, the same goalie he was last year, but if, you know, Brennan Bussey struggles as a young rookie getting thrown into the system, then you've kind of got a situation similar to previous years where you had Rask kind of standing on top of his head, but 
you're, you know, letting points slip away during those times and to give him some rest. So it's tough, right? Like, I mean, what, what would you do, Evan, if it was like moving Olmark or would you rather move like a, a hockey trade of a guy like the Bruskin Hall or someone else like that? Like, what, where do you view the biggest risk in terms of what those guys provide? Well, if you lose Olmark, I mean, you lose, as you said, one of your biggest assets of the goalie tandem, yeah. which you didn't use in the playoffs, which, like again, you did not use it when it mattered most. What I would be intrigued is what Omar could get you back in terms of picks or prospects. If you wanted to, uh, or or if you wanted to trade him for a top six center, like that's where I would be intrigued because Grizzlick's probably not getting you that much except cap relief. Um, you know, maybe a mid round pick or something like that. Um, I'm curious what Hall would get you. Um, I, I don't, it doesn't get you a first, I don't think. But it, I would assume it would be, you know, a second round pick maybe or, um, you know, some form of a player. But again, you want to shed cap there. You don't want to get someone back that's, you know, you don't want to have an equal trade where, you know, you slot in another guy who makes, you know, four million or something like that. Like you want the cap relief. Um, Omar, I think could get, I think there are teams that would need a goalie. Like I, I've been trying to find like, okay, well, who's a Western conference team that needs a goalie and like Edmonton needs a goalie. The Kings kind of need a goalie. The Vegas golden Knights would need a goalie. Um, so you can play that game of, you know, who could, could you trade him for like a top six center? Um, you know, could you trade him for, I mean, would you think Omar gets you a first? I saw Fluto wrote in the I, product. That I, he think he would. I think he could. I think he absolutely could. Um, so again, if you can get in at the end of the first round and you can add a good prospect or, you know, take top prospects from another team for like, again, this is the Vez, this is probably the Vesna winner uh, and he's affordable. This is not like a eight, $9 million goal. He's 5 million. So yeah. again, I, I, I think if you're making a move, and you want to go big and shake things up and you want to follow the Florida Panthers model of trading something that isn't broken for something that's maybe better suits your team. I would be open to it. I would, um, with Olmark, because again, like yeah. you have, you have Swaim in there. And if you want, if you, if you have some extra money, you want to sign like a veteran backup, if you don't trust Busey, there is that option as well. So I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it also just comes down to just with the money and sense are, right? Like, I'm sure Jeremy Strayman loves his, you know, working with Hallmark, and we've documented that quite a bit over the last two years, right? But I don't, Jeremy Strayman, do you do you want to sign a a bridge deal, or do you want to sign like what Jake Ottinger signed? Because you probably do something similar, right? So again, it also comes down to him and his agents of what you're looking for. The Bruins could very well be like, hey, we want to keep this tandem together, but you're probably going to have to do a bridge contract if something probably below what you're due for another year or two as we kind of get through these choppy waters. So it all comes down to, I think, what Swain and his representatives want in terms of maybe facilitating keeping these guys in place. Because, again, I'm sure in a perfect world, the Bruins would love to keep th these two together, right? It's unorthodox that you commit to a goalie rotation like this. But, hell, they, they won 65 games off of keeping this in place, and they probably should have kept it going in the playoffs. So I could easily see Don Sweeney, the Bruins be like, this was a, a, one of the bedrocks of how we were so successful in the regular season. Let's keep it together. Even if it means, you know, shedding more cap on other areas. So it all depends on just what the Bruins prioritize. I mean, whatever they do you know, in terms of freeing up cast space is going to be difficult. They're probably not going to be happy with whatever move they do, whether it's moving guys like Grizzly, moving guys like 
call, you know, a very good player like a DeBrusque or what have you, if that's what it needs to be. But um, it all comes down to, I think, what the Bruins prioritize in terms of what keeps them in contention the longest. And if it's keeping Olmark and Swayman in place, maybe that's what they have to do. But it's not an easy call, right? As much as in principle, moving him makes sense in terms of, you know, taking out two birds with one stone in terms of shedding cap and getting good assets back. If you're in a spot where you're in uh, January and Swayman's getting taxed early and Bussy or whoever you sign uh, as a veteran backup isn't cutting it, then it'll be a whole lot of second guesses, right? It's risky. Yeah. As it much is. as in principle, it, it makes sense, right? No, you're on paper. It makes sense. But you think like, like I have this up right here. Swayman played 37 games this year, right? There's 82 games in a regular season. Is Jeremy Swayman ready to assume 51, 53, 55 games this year? I don't know. Like, I think he can handle it, but there's going to be slumps in there. Can Busey step in and stop the bleeding for a few games? Can they get a veteran backup? Again, I don't have a name in front of me, but can they get a Yaroslav Halak-like in 2018-19? Can they get someone like him in here for a million, 1.5, 2 million to step in for some of those games? Maybe, but again, that's a big ask of Swayman, I think. But again, if you're paying him, if they say, hey, no, we're going to give you a long-term deal with good money, then that's what's expected. Like then he has to, then he has to live up to that contract. Uh, whereas again, if you bring back Omar, as you said, you're not giving Swayman the, that long-term deal because he's most likely going to be the one B um, as he was this year. So again, I think we're going to get into that a lot more this off season with, with kind of how this, this flies. One thing I do think that is pretty much close to set in stone is um, the bottom six next year is going to be big for younger players. Um, that feels like yep. an area where they're going to play the kids. Uh, you know, even paying Charlie Coyle 5.25 million as the third line center, I think is a little, hmm, that's a lot for a third line center on this team. That's cap constrained, but he brings his benefits. I'm not, you know, we, we've discussed Coyle before um, because like McLaughlin Beecher Steen Merkulov potentially um, could get in and see some, some serious time. And, um, you know, I know we mentioned Lowry, but again, he's just made the jump. Like, I do think he needs a full season or close to it in Providence. Um, Lysel's another one that I think probably needs some more uh, tuning in Providence. But a guy like McLaughlin should be able to step in and be a fourth line guy next year. Um, Beecher could also potentially be that guy. I know his offensive numbers still are not where people thought they might be uh, when he got drafted. But I still think like he, you know, for what he for what he brings, potentially a fourth line presence and Steen as well. Yeah, no, they have they have options. I mean, you, yeah, you look at just those fourth line grinders; they should have no shortage of options. And again, a lot can change in terms of perception of how guys are. If you ask me, going into camp, if Lauko was going to make a, an impact on this team, I'd probably have been like, he's probably on the outside looking in, right? You have other guys up in the system, really struggled to get his attraction in Providence, and even in Providence, he still wasn't as maybe impactful. But gets a chance to the NHL, and he kind of brought it whenever you needed him out there right so he's a guy that makes plenty of sense in terms of more minutes um you know i'm sure they'll give a guy like beecher more looks as you said probably didn't live up to expectations in his first year at least offensively down in providence but you know you bring him up in the nhl get him a few reps and see what you get out of him there mclaughlin was a guy that you know people i think were up in arms about that he wasn't on the nhl roster he's arguably probably their best player during preseason games right um so they'll have options there. Is are they going to be as good at as Nosek in terms of what his 
tough kind of role is that remains to be seen, but you at least have options down there. And as you said, if you're looking for a third line guy on the wing, we'll see if, if uh, Lysel makes a, a push out of camp, you know, he's played a lot of hockey over the last couple of years and he could probably use a bit more seasoning, but I think Merky loves a really interesting guy, right? Um, was one of the, the better players in the AHL this, this past year, offensively gifted, um, the big knock against him last year was defensively, you know, how he is, but it seems like he made a few strides in that regard. I don't think he's going to be winning the Selkie or anything like that, but um, has a lot of talent for for his role. So I think he's a really interesting guy that if you move a guy like Hall and you're looking for another guy to put with Coyle as a way to ease them in, you know, a guy that probably has top six potential, but you want to start them off slow, uh, giving them a guy who's, very, uh, you know, steady with the puck and opens up space like Coyle, you know, putting a guy like Merkulov or Lysel could be um, an option there for them. And it's, it, you know, I think if you're Brunson, you'd rather have a guy like Hall or Bertuzzi, you know, it's it's kind of like that uh, that that meme of DiCaprio in that, that movie where he's like, we really had it all, didn't we? Like, you're not going to have a situation where you have Taylor Hall or Tyler Bertuzzi on the third line, but there is some intrigue and, you know, hope that, you know, a guy like Mercury Level Lysel could step into that role. And it's always exciting. I think when you have younger players up in the system, it, it's great for the team, right? Where you save a lot of money and potentially add these young talented players to the mix. But it's kind of like, you know, the 2017, 18 Bruins where you had so many young guys crack the lineup um, and make an impact right away as part of that next core. So if you go into this upcoming season and guy like Merkulov or Lysel or, Lauko, McLaughlin, Lori later on in the year, like you at least have an opportunity here for more younger players to make their mark. And as a Bruins fan, that should be exciting to at least see what these guys have. The the offensive upside of Merkulov is really interesting to me. Yeah, and I'm he's a good curious player. I'm curious to see how that manifests itself because this is obviously a team that prides itself on two-way abilities and being strong in your defensive zone. I remember last year at development camp, they spoke about Merkulov's defense like it was a, like a crime against humanity. Yes. Um and, but again, I do think that the like his offensive upside, I think, is the most of any prospect except for Lysel. I mean, I don't even think that's like particularly close. Um, so we'll see. But I mean, it will be a year that you will see those guys in the bottom six. And you know what? Good. Play the kids. See what you got down there. Um, save you save some money in the bottom six. Like I do think that's a good thing. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening over the summer. Dev, dev camp, beginning of training camp. That's a long way away. We got a lot of off season left. So much off. I was thinking as we were talking about this, I was like, if you told me on like May eighth we'd be sitting here talking about this stuff, I would have fucking been stunned, stunned. But here we are. We're talking about this, and that's here we are. The way it goes, the way it goes. Uh, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we're going to have you covered throughout this uh, very busy offseason from free agency, trades, the draft, everything. We're going to have covered dev camp, all of it. Uh, you can find over at Boston.com. Uh, again, we have a great staff that covers everything that's happening in Boston sports, not just the Bruins. So Celtics, Red Sox heating up. Patriots are going to start their uh, mini camp pretty soon as well. Everything will happen have over at boston.com so please read over there and if you want to follow me on twitter you can at connor ryan underscore 93 go do all that and make sure to subscribe to new england hockey journal that's connor ryan i'm evan marinovsky you brunsby listeners have a great rest of your week (laughs) 